The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. I, I, I do have to say uh, right away that I am on generator power right now. We had our first winter storm. And, oh, really? Oh. And the power was kicked off, and uh, I ran and got that generator going. So if it does kick off, it's run out of gas. That'll be a first. Are you up by the Arctic Circle? Where are you? I am right on the Minnesota border, right on the, right across from International Falls, Minnesota, in a little community called Fort Francis, Ontario. And he's the king there, too. Wow. <laughs> All right, Red, so we're going to talk about your past, your glorious past. All your escapades in the National Hockey League. It's a good word. Escapades. Seriously, so Tom will do it. Tom will do a very short intro here because he's okay. very short. He's a very short person. Mike, how tall are you? Just because Tom's a height bully. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, five five. No, you're not. You're like six foot. Foot. Yeah. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah. And anyone who's not over six feet, Tom's like just a bully towards. Well, there's some guys that haven't taken care of themselves too, like a little bit like that stung by that beat. Keep using that choke about Gerald Diddick. I feel bad for him, like, like promoting bad health. Yeah, so you don't like short people or fat people. So, Rand, here's a good question for you. So, uh, so you're you you kept yourself in shape, you're healthy and everything, right? I am now. I I I uh I went through um a huge weight gain and and lost still. Yeah, so I was uh, uh until I had my knee redone and yeah, so I lost probably uh sixty pounds. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Wade. Okay, so Halloween's coming up. So we give out candy to kids. Like, we may as well just give them poison. Like, give them cigarettes. Exactly. Here we go. Yeah. One but, day a year, man. But they were, they were telling these kids that, okay, this is a good thing. This is like a reward. For One them. day a year. Yeah, but the rest of their life, they're thinking, this is this is good. They're giving me candy because it's, I'm a good person. So, like, I'm... Listen, when you, remember when you were a kid, you went trick-or-treating and someone gave you an apple? You were like, fuck this. No. Right? No. <laughs> you, you ate the apple? Exactly. That's exactly. That's exactly the apple. one of those apples. Right. Apple. All right. Well, all right, Tom, let's go. Let's, let's go. do we're it. Going, we're going on the show here. Here we go. Hey, Tom, we have on a, a former teammate of yours who liked you so much, he followed you to another location yeah. in L.A. Yeah. He burst on the scene with the Rangers at 19, scored 26 goals his rookie year. We have number 14, Mike Allison. Uh, right, one of my favorite players all time. I'm going to tell a quick story right off the bat, an L.A. story. And I have no, I, pretty, tell me if I get this right. So in L.A., Gretzky got traded there. And we, Eddie and I, excuse me, uh, Mike and I had both played with Eddie Meal, and we called him Potato Head. <laughs> oh, no. Come on. Uh, so I, I guess I knew but kind of forgotten that uh, Eddie was Wayne Gretzky's best man yeah. and very good friend. So it was a preseason game, and Mike and I, veteran guys, a bunch of young guys in the locker room, 
and we were being smart asses and we're we we're talking about Eddie tells stories and everything. I get Eddie the hatchback with Greshner or Duguay in fact it was Eddie's hatchback. But you stuffed him in the back of his own car? He, no, he stuffed himself in the back of his own car because he wanted to hang out with those guys so much. So we're telling all these stories and we think we're really funny and Wayne's in the room and, and we're not realizing. And uh so so we get done, we're high fiving each other, we go into the trainer's room and Wayne falls us in the trainer's room and says, uh, you guys do know that uh, Eddie's my best friend, my best man. And Mike, Mike and I are both looking at each other like, oh, God, we're getting traded. I was gone. No, I was gone. Is that correct? Is that how it went down? Well, um, there was never any fear about you getting traded, but there was about me getting traded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wayne was good, though. He took it like about 15 seconds, and he just laughed. So, Red, you grew up in Fort Francis. That was your hometown? I was born and raised in Fort Francis, and uh, it's a small little community, a pulp and paper community, uh, right on the Minnesota border, crossing International Falls. And it's... Uh, it's a, a beautiful place to, to grow up. It's a lake community, and it was uh, it's a real community, sense of community here. So right. I, uh, I finally moved back in the late 90s and have been ever here ever since, met my wife, and, and, and I know she's listening somewhere, so it's been bliss ever since. <laughs> You're a good husband. How long have you been married? Uh, almost 20 years. Just right at 20 years. Just, yeah. And just the one marriage? Just one marriage. Jeez, that's a record for yeah. hockey players. Tom doesn't know what that's like. So you've been married for 20 years. I was married twice and I didn't total 20 years of marriage. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to keep you tied down. I would think uh, <laughs> you're very, uh, a lot of, uh, I remember playing with you, how uh, popular you were. So it was that uh, Ron Duguay and then you. <laughs> <laughs> I would leave the garden sometimes and people would ask me like, is this, are you Don Maloney? <laughs> and they didn't know who I was. Or where are my seats, sir? I know. <laughs> so Red, were you a good hockey player when you first started as a kid? Um, uh, my, my dad was a teacher. And so we went to, uh, uh, actually Wales to, uh, exchange program. So I didn't get back until I was eight and started playing hockey. And, um, I was bigger kid than most people. And I was, uh, I could always see the game. Well, um, my skills weren't necessarily, uh, uh that great, but, uh, so yeah, I was a, a pretty good uh, athlete at a young age and, uh, in a small community. So, you're, you know, if you're any good, you're not bad in this small community. Right, right. So just you and your brother? Um, I have two sisters. And oh, they, my older sister was by far the better athlete of all of us. And it never had an opportunity for women at that time. Right. She was by far. She was tougher. She was uh, smarter. She was more skilled. She was great at whatever she did. And I often tell her that. And uh, um, she says, I know. She doesn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, I brother also, I'm sorry. Yeah, I have a brother. He played uh, uh, a short period of time in the NHL, and then he um, was in. He was at one time, I think, the record holder for penalties in the American Hockey. That's right. And coached for a bit too, didn't he? Coach. He was coaching up until last year, and the first year he hasn't been coaching. You know, he's been all over the world coaching, and uh, I think he'd probably still like to be coaching. But uh, he's back here in Fort Francis. I say, uh, I say, the best thing that ever ha happened to me was uh, getting into the hockey. The best thing. Right. Uh, next to that, getting out of hockey because there wasn't the stress of uh, yeah. and somebody else is controlling your life. And when I got out of hockey, um, my life, I, I, I you know, I, I met my wife and, and my wife took a, a different direction. And I really appreciated that the whole new direction. I know. You enjoyed it. Isn't it true? You don't realize when you're playing how messed up of a world it really is, right? Oh, it is. Yeah. The, and and uh, I think it's everywhere, but the uh, petty, uh, power that people have over you yeah and uh can dictate your life uh, right. you know you, you talk about uh the thing with eddie mew and, and wayne 
I mean, I hate to say it, when something like that happened, I was worried. Oh my God, am oh, I yeah. really Yeah, uh, very true. Yeah. You know, that's that's a great point because we talk a lot of times about how athletes say it was great, everything was done for us, but no, we never really get into the fact that actually you were being controlled while things were being yeah, done for you. Very true. Yeah. And 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 then certain uh, certain uh, players, uh, myself more so than Tom was. I mean, I don't mean to, I don't think I got um, uh, a lot or uh, enough out of my own talent, but uh, that was my own doing partly. But uh, Tom was much more established than I was, so I was always on the verge of. Uh, at least I felt I was always on the yeah. verge of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, and then being gone. And yeah. uh, so if you have somebody in your corner, which I did at different times, Craig Patrick was uh, wonderful to me. Robbie Vitoric was wonderful to me. Um, then they're always giving you, you feel that, you feel safe and secure. But when you get into some other people that um, they are playing that angle that, hey, you're not safe and secure. You better get your act together here or do what I say or you're gone. But sure, it's amazing. We've had this conversation before where you said that to me, that you didn't feel totally secure. But I, and I think a lot of other teammates of yours looked at you that you were totally secure. Maybe you weren't that great offensive player that maybe people thought you were going to be at the start, but you became that, like that grinded out, uh, penalty killing, you know, face-off guy that everybody wanted you on the team. And believe me, I, but I'm with you though. It's, uh, I've told a story before where, uh, and Tom actually got the all-star ballot for me. I was on the all-star ballot like 87. That was the weirdest feeling. Like I, I really believed in myself as a player, but I thought I can't play in the All Star game. That's just just not what I do. Well, that was the year they spelled James Patrick wrong, right? Is that what I said? It is. I think we lost Mike. I think the generator cut out. So Mike calling. Mike Gallus is our guest here right now. Uh, and he uh, he's up in Fort Francis, Ontario, big snowstorm. And uh... oh, okay, uh, very cool. All right, so here we are. This is the first for us. Okay, what 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 episode is this for us? This, this is about our 75th, maybe 74th, 75th episode. So our 75th episode, and this is the first time uh, our guest has now gone down uh, to fill up the generator because they don't have any power. So he's just generate Mike Allison. <laughs> Scott, how are you doing there, Mrs. Allison? How are you? It's Tom Laid last weekend. Hi, Tom. I'm great. Hey, great to meet you. He has, he has said wonderful things about you, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to meet you finally. Well, I heard him say that I was listening, so he had to. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, no. I got to tell you, your, your husband was one of my all-time favorite teammates. And I mean that very seriously. He just, uh, we started together, played together in New York and L.A. And just, uh, I always loved playing with him. Uh, a fantastic competitor, a great teammate, good person. So you're, you you picked a good one. Coming back up. Right, okay. But, but um, yeah, no, he's, he's uh, yeah, just wonderful. And he's very busy here at the yeah. lake. We have lots of things to do around here. So um, lots of, okay. yeah, just he's, he's you know what? When you get off the show, uh, please ask him about Big Jim Sports Campers, okay? Have, have him tell you that story. Yeah, okay. We'll discuss it on the show, but we'll. Uh, he he was on fire one time. We were out having uh, well, a, a couple of uh, adult beverages. We're on the show right now, Tom. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> I just thought I was having a conversation with Lisa. Well, it's so wonderful. Wonderful to talk to you guys. Thank you. All right. We're, we're waiting for Mike Allison to get back on. It, Probably the highlight of our show so far was to meet his wife and talk to her, Lisa. Lisa Allison up in Fort Francis, Ontario. A uh, wonderful person. It's interesting maybe to play with somebody. You don't see him for years, and then you, uh, you know, married, kids, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you have to catch up and see what's going on in their life. So, so again, we're on with Mike Allison. We started the show. He's up in Fort Francis. Uh, they had a big snowstorm, lost power, so he had uh, powered up his generator. And uh, partway through the show, uh, the generator ran out of fuel. So he had to refuel it. No big deal. We're fine. Then Lisa jumped on his wonderful wife that I just met. Had a great conversation. 
And uh, now we're waiting for the great Mike Allison. So people don't know, Mike and I started together our rookie year in the National Hockey League, 1980-81. Freddie Shiro was our, our coach at the time. Um, and obviously, Mike was a centerman. Uh, and we had, so during that year, here he comes back on. During that year, can you believe that? That's good. That's the first for us. I like that. We rolled through it. Your wife jumped on. We had a great conversation with her. So it's good. Uh, I got it out of propane now. So now it's uh, it's set. It shouldn't run out of propane. So are, is it one of those portable generators or you've got a fixed generator? I've got a fixed generator, but it doesn't kick on automatically. Oh, uh, okay. Um, it's, I've got to go down and uh, start it. Oh. So, so I uh, here uh, living in Rybrook, years ago, we had a big storm. I think it was Sandy came through. And I didn't have a generator, and we lost power for a week. So I went and bought a generator. But the power never went out again, obviously, right? So as soon as you, as soon as you buy the generator, you never use it. We went out uh, at Christmas time for 36 hours one time, and and we're 40 below. Uh, right. So and we got we get our water from the lake, so we need the heat tape. So I had uh, I've always had a generator for a long time, but you don't you, again you don't use it very often. Yeah, yeah. And you, you should you should go start it every once in a while too, right? Isn't that uh, like six months or so? I installed a new one just this summer, and the oh. guy said once a month. Well, it's oh. and, he, and I have a battery to start it, and it's uh, hooked on to a battery maintainer. But he said oh. start it, run it, uh, and so uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the bar we were out this morning at, at seven. I thought, oh my god. So what if it was if the battery goes out? Is can you start it manually? I can start it manually. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't want to try. But, right. Uh, it's yeah. funny how like people just take it for granted that we got power, right? Then you lose it. You're like it's a big deal. You know, I mean, think there's some places around the world they don't have power. So, yeah. excuse me, I was outside too. There's a lot, lot going on today at the show, Tom. This is yeah. great. Yeah, it's good. A lot of action. Steve uh, Steve Arulio says hello from the Rangers. Very good. Very good. Very good. He was not around when Mike Ellis was around. Remember uh, who's the guy? I can't remember. Remember the guy that was the intern, uh, young guy with our with our team. He's is he out again? It's Broski. Yes. Uh, oh, there we go. Uh, he's back. Now he's back. What are you are you putting like snake oil on that generator? You've got, I, I think it came from you guys. I was always moving. I could, well, I should say that. I should, I could see myself moving. I can't, I, I, I can't look at Tom too much. I gotta look at myself. I, I make sure that, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm the same way. You know that. Oh, no. Another one, really? I've gotten worse. I'm more of an egomaniac now than I ever was. Yeah. I love myself. Oh, yeah. Yes. So just, you know, so Tom uh, was a big Ranger, is a big Ranger fan. He's now shaking his head. So we tell so many stories that we did past. He's like, I see a bunch of mudheads. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are definitely knuckleheads. Yeah. Um, the reason I was talking about the young guy that was an intern, he ended up being a big shot at uh, Madison Square Garden. Do you remember? I can't remember what it was. There's a young guy that was an intern. I'll think of his name. And you'd remember him. He was the, the guy that would, you know, travel around with us and give us our hotel keys and everything. And we John were. Rosasco? No. It's awful. We were picking on him all the time. Ended up, uh, he ended up being like the second in command to Mr. Dolan, the guard. Really? I had, yeah. I hadn't seen him in years since we were picking on him. And uh, he came walking over and he's dying laughing because he knows I'm just cringing, right? Like he's. Oh my God! I can't believe we treated him that way. Remember Helene Elliott, the, the right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh God! So well, she she went from New York to uh, LA. Yeah, yeah. all of you guys. So she, uh, yeah, I ended up when the when I was an agent, I had Warren Reichel as a client. She was covering the Anaheim Ducks, and he was playing for the Ducks. So she wanted to do an interview and get some quotes from me. So it goes back. I guess we can tell the story. So I used to walk around with a uh, two one of the white tube socks on my penis. Oh, Jesus Christ. Thinking I was, and I would tell my, tell everybody I was Mr. Nude Northern Michigan. <laughs> and she was, she was in the room. Well, she, she had a great sense of humor, but it was totally wrong. And so now she calls me to do this interview for Warren Reichel. And I'm just cringing. Because now I'm like, oh, 
father and married and all this kind of stuff. I'm thinking back to the way I was acting. She was dying laughing because she could tell how much she was like, I was cringing about this stuff. So, so you're walking around the locker room with a sock on oh, your jaw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing else on. <laughs> I read remember it. Nothing else on. I call myself Mr. Newton. They're just prancing around, too. Like, uh, who, who else is doing stupid things like this? I think I, think I was. I, but, Mike, uh, did you didn't you try to stop him? Like, hey, Tom, what are you doing? I mean, they were uh, ridiculous. When I, uh, same the year we, Tom and I broke in, it was so, something similar. I know the veteran said to me, oh, when the first time ever having, for me, uh, female reporters in the room. And uh, they said to me, oh, you, you don't put a towel. They, they take offense to that. And uh, it's a <laughs> interview and you have to be in. So I was, you know, embarrassed, but I guess I followed the rule. And finally, one of the, I don't think it was Helene, but I thought somebody else came up and said, you know, you can put a towel on when you were, when we're interviewing you. you <laughs> I had no idea, but I can remember Tom walking around. Oh, God. And he was built. He, you know, he was, uh, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> who, who, who told you that? The, the sock was, uh, it was one of those ankle socks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was a foot long. What are you talking about? It goes after your calf. What are you talking about? Oh, well, yeah, speaking of that rookie year, so you guys came in together. You both made the team in 81. Mike finished 11th in Calder voting. Tom, I don't see you on the yeah. list for Calder voting at all. I, I deferred to Mike because he and I are good friends, good teammates, so I let him be. But if, hold on. I remember the guy's name, Barry Watkins. You remember Barry Watkins? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the guy. He ended up being like second in Kent. I just want to make sure I got this. Wow. Yeah. How you doing, Barry? So, Tom, yeah, so Tom, Mike finished behind Peter Stastny, Larry Murphy, Daryl Sutter, Don Bopre, Dennis Savard, all these Hall of Famers, and no mention of Tom Labo. No, not there at all. But you know what? Mike did have a really good – so we had uh, – so Phyllis Pazito retired halfway through the year as a centerman. Uh, Ulfie got hurt, correct? Yes, he did. Also, and Walter, uh, Walter Chuck was the other one, but right. Puck. So, and, and Mike deserved it, but it, he just, you know, went becoming the number one centerman of the team. Right. and really played that way too. So. Who were you playing with that year, Mike? Mostly uh, Donnie Maloney and Eddie Johnson. Eddie Johnson. Yeah. yeah, they were uh, jam line. They called it the jam line. And I, I started with Alfie and Anders my first game. All right. And, uh, and then they, uh, Alfie got there. I was uh, just a, 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 in a circumstance where the top uh, Alfie, well, Kachuk uh, got hurt, and then Phil retired. And uh, so they were desperate for, a, uh, not desperate for a center, but I just uh, happened to slide into a situation that was really good and then struggled the next number of years under uh, Herb came in. Yeah. But you say you struggled, though. Like, maybe you weren't the offensive player that you were that first year, but the defensively, you were still that. I thought it just changed your role, really, right? I mean, I have to admit, Herb had taught me the game and taught right. me the game, uh, uh, that 200 foot game. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But at the same time, he was, uh, I know you, I, you have a different experience with her, but her was terrible. I, thought. um, and I would drive home, uh, you know, my second, third year when he was there, where I considered just let myself go as I'm driving on the highway. Uh, right. that's all, that's all he had oh, got well, me. You consider pretty, you considered her to you. Wow, I did not know that, right? Wow. No, well, you know, you you hide that when you're you're embarrassed by it, and uh, I was hurting so much inside, and and he's, you know, I don't think uh, he's looking. I take uh, a lot of the responsibility because I didn't prepare, I didn't get myself in good enough shape, I didn't do the things that uh, that I needed to. Yet at the same time, when you're a 19, 20 year old, uh, sensitive, sensitive, you know. Uh, but you're, uh, you don't understand why they're coming after you the way right. as your coach. And this is supposed to be a safe, secure spot, but it yep. wasn't. And uh, so I look back on it. Now I, you know, I talked to Herb after uh, I ran into him when he was scouting, and we were playing with I was playing with the Kings. I was 
sitting in the press box and talk to him. Uh, you know, I didn't say much about that, but I, you know, I, I thought, man, you could handle it better. Um, and I could handle it better. You know what's amazing too, Red? And I think there's a lot of guys, like we don't, like I never would have realized about you. I, I always viewed you as a strong guy coming to the locker room, uh, personality, funny, good teammate and all that. But I think there's probably a lot of guys like that that was just like, they were they were hiding their feelings, right? We wanted to pretend that we're these tough guys all the time. Well, I, that's So did you ever get help with that? Did you ever talk to anybody? I did. I did, and I, um, and it was uh, Craig uh, Craig Patrick that got me to go uh, see someone in New York, and um, I'm uh, uh, and I've continued on throughout my life that it, it uh, you know infrequently, but if I needed uh, some help, uh, went and talked to someone. And so, did you go to Craig and tell him how you were feeling? No, no. Oh, so, how did he know that you needed some help then? I don't know if it was Herb or if it was Craig, but Craig was the one that suggested I see it, you know, wow. uh, see someone. And they said he set me up with someone. And it was just a, just, um, I hate to say it, you're always worried, even though you know they're not supposed to say something you're, uh, to the, you know, to your employers. Yeah. You, I was always concerned about that, but it was good for me to, to get that, uh, be able to speak with someone and just uh, start to figure out, okay, how do I get it? How do I get it? Because we're, what was it? Yeah. Hutchinson Park, Parkway? Is it? Yeah. Hutchinson? Yeah. I remember driving and they had those old stone bridges. Yeah. Sure. Off the highway and just thinking, why don't I just drive into that? Really? Yeah. Wow. It was just, uh, I didn't know it wasn't all the time, but it was, uh, it was just, uh, uh, Herb, Herb, uh, Yeah. That's not the generator. So, you know, that's, yeah, I know. No, that's us. That's, uh, that's, uh, the lovely landscaping. Hold, hold on. We're going to edit this right Yeah. I'll edit this. I thought you were going to say that you got so downtrodden because Laidlaw is with that thing on his dick. Really, man. <laughs> I thought he got so depressed because you walked around with that thing on your dick, you know? I would have yeah. been depressed if it was my, if that was <laughs> And, you know, that's one of those things, too, that I really felt like that. Yeah, yeah. listening to nobody but yourself. Oh, totally, yeah. And then you think uh, 30 years later, you're, you're cringing on the phone because now you're married with kids and everything. Well, now also, you could get, that's harassment. Oh, yeah, totally. Locker room. Yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. Understand me so. Understand me so. Different, different time. Oh, God. You know, different acceptance. Oh. So to her credit, she had a great sense of humor about it because, yeah, that was totally rude, disrespectful. Any word you want to use was just uh, totally uncalled And again, she was white. Oh, yeah, she really was. Yellow, the Rangers beat writer now is Molly Walker. Now, imagine yeah. if someone today, 2023, is walking around like that, they, they would be, you know, they'd be well, rightly so. Remember when Wayne Gretzky got traded to LA after the games, all the movie stars are in the locker room. You know, Goldie Hawn's in there with Kurt Russell. So uh, it's Goldie Hawn. You know, like Mike said before, we used to have female reporters in there, but this is Goldie Hawn, a movie star. And she, they we're all getting undressed. And, uh, and I would love to tell you that she was staring at me. She was not. <laughs> just she was just casually looking around the room, and at the same time, I dropped all my gear, and I'm standing there naked in Goldie Hunt, and she looked at me for like half a second or whatever. She looked, at, she looked at you and went, "Nope." Oh god, yeah. I looked down. And go, oh, god. Sorry, well, sorry, uh, sorry, Goldie. Well, what did Kurt Russell say about that? Yeah, he's nothing. Just he's just they're all looking around. I guess I mean, they're used to it. They're around hockey players all the time. So yeah, and it's the movie industry where she's used to seeing large penises. <laughs> but she saw yours. Yeah, that's what I said. She used those. No, right. So she, so she has to balance it out a little. I'll never forget. Remember that Brett, when when he got there, how different it was, how it changed when Mike when that Wayne came in. Did Wayne ever have like meetings with you guys to say, okay, this is what I, I you know I want you to do this, I want you to do this? No, no, it was more. Well, remember we were all got a lot good. Timmy Waters and I played together, so Wayne really openly would try. I think he went out of his way to show that he was not coaching the team, although he had he was. influence. Yeah. So uh, there was an offensive opportunity. I can't remember the circumstance. And, uh, you know, he wanted the, like Steve Duchesne and Bernie Nichols on the ice with him. 
and uh, Ralph Torek loved uh, Tim and Tom. So uh, he threw Tim and Tom out with Wayne in this offensive opportunity, and we're skating out, and Wayne turns and looks at us and rolls his eyes. And we're like, oh, my God, I'm out there with these two guys. And, he, you know, he's a good guy, so you knew it, well, he really wasn't negative towards us. He just wanted yeah. somebody different. So he, he laughed about it afterwards. I can remember uh, with uh, Wayne, the first year with Wayne coming to New York uh, and playing the Rangers. And um, I was on the ice and uh, I inter- it was a last minute of the game. We were up by a goal and uh, intercepted a pass, the one of the Rangers passed, and it was an open net. I shot in the empty net. And Tom keeps and I had Wayne and Bernie Nichols. I was playing with on the on the ice with them. And, and Tom came up to me and said, last time you're out in a, a last minute game, you won't get to block. <laughs> so... Mike, what do you score? They like they look at you like, oh yeah, kind of like a half celebration, yeah. like great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like that. But I, I, no, I gave up that. Get, get the part to Wayne. Get, and again, we're telling stories about Wayne, but he's really a good guy. But you know, Wayne was it was about scoring goals. A lot of points, yeah. So it was same kind of situation. We're up like a goal or two, maybe, and he's on the ice, and I've got the puck in our zone. There must be like ten seconds left, and the other team would just kind of quit. So I'm just skating around with the puck in our own zone. Oh, he wants to bury that empty netter. Yeah, he's yelling at me past the fucking center ice, and I wouldn't do it. I was being a jerk, and he was mad. Like he wanted the puck, he wanted to score. So I kind of admired him for that way. But it's like I said, like, like Red and I, like he was great to us, but we really weren't his guys, right? Like it was Marty McSorley, Krushevinsky, Steve Deshane, Bernie Nichols. Again, he wasn't bad to us anyway. But we usually Red, Red, we usually doing now. Go ahead. He was good to me. Uh, 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 Wayne was good to me. I mean, I, you know, I, uh, I mean, for a superstar and the power that he uh, held, he was. Um, he was smart about it, right? Subtle about yeah. it, and uh, and um, yeah, he was good to me. Uh, and then yeah. when he got traded, I was the broadcaster, and so I had to support the Kings in their trade. That's trade. right. And uh, and I don't think you know it was the right move for the Kings to make, and I had to say it. You know, he was yeah, he was upset about the trade, right? Uh, do we were still with the team when we played Detroit? And Robbie benched him. Yes. Yeah, he was, Robbie was really, he was a lot like Kirby, but maybe better ways in that he was really uh, a commanding presence, right? Like he'd walk in the locker room and you knew that Robbie was in charge. He was boss. You knew what he was doing. He had his way. He was very definitive about it too. He had his way of doing it. And yeah, but it was, it's, I think it was just so different than, than when Wayne wanted to do it, right? Like nobody would have three minute shifts like Wade would in Ro- Robbie's scenario. Robbie would want people at the 45 second shifts. Uh, but nobody scored 200 points a year though, yeah. you know? No, no question. But those guys had, uh, and I, I don't think it was just, uh, you know, um, some people say it was Wayne, but I think it was more than um, th- those guys, uh, Bernie and Luke and and uh, Wayne. They had career years. I'm not career yeah. Wayne, not obviously, not, but those guys had career years under Robbie. Robbie yeah. knew all that, got them yeah. situations that were, uh, and uh, and then Bernie was gone the next year. Uh, yeah. Tommy Webster came in, got rid of him, um, and uh, I don't think we realize sometimes how good we have it when until that person. Yeah, very true. Yeah, and Tommy Webster, for whatever reason, it's like he had, like, you know, I just didn't get along at all. Uh, you know, I was, but was, a lot of it was my fault, too. Like, you talked before about your stuff where I I just didn't take care of myself in my back. So I was in and out of the lineup, and I was supposed to be the guy that you'd always rely on to be in the lineup all the time. And I was in it. I was out of the lineup. I was in it. And uh, Tommy and I didn't get along at all. God, he's lost it. I think he, he passed away a few years ago, like 10, 12 years ago or something. I'm not sure about Tommy. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't get along with him either. I don't, yeah. I don't know if uh, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I can't see how any coach wouldn't get all of you. I really can't. Well, even even after the sock incident? <laughs> well, I mean, they would love having a guy standing beside him with a sock like that small. <laughs> the ankle sock. <laughs> but, uh, 
but no, but really though, um, uh, Tom was the uh, ultimate teammate, and he was the ultimate and uh, and so I don't see uh, if you didn't get along with Tom, I didn't get. I, I mean, I not that I didn't get along with Tom, but I just uh, thought he could be petty. Yeah, right. It was kind of like, yeah. You know, I remember when when Phil was uh, here and he hired Tom Webster and he came right out and said to the whole team, says, I'm going to hire somebody that's going to do exactly what I tell him to do. So right off the bat, the guy loses all credibility. Right? Loses the room right, yeah. right right away, right? Yeah. So it was, Phil was a great, and I talk about Phil, like I, you know, he traded me, uh, but he, like Phil was fantastic to me too. Like his, even his player, his first year, it was great. But um, how's your relationship with Phil, Mike? I like Phil. I, I, I did. I really liked him. He was really good to me as a player. Now I was his first trade. Oh my uh, really? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> then when he became general manager, so that might tell you how much he uh, liked <laughs> Pete. But I didn't take it personal though. I uh, and the only absolutely sad thing about it is when he did trade me, he wasn't able to get a hold of me. Oh, that's right. Tell the story. Yeah. From uh, I was um, I found out from the trader and the uh, New York trader. I was phoning uh, about something. I was uh, on my way back, and I'm 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 a pretty frugal guy, and so I was in Minneapolis. And I was looking for the Kings, I know, pardon me, the Rangers hotel room rate. And I phoned, uh, and the trainer had to say, uh, you've been traded. You haven't heard? And tell the story, because you were dating, Jeremy Jer- Jer- Lone was our uh, trainer, and uh, Red was uh, dating his daughter. Uh, oh, yeah, a gorgeous girl, too. And she, died, she dumped you after that? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, she, uh, we were... Uh, we were driving back to right. New York, and then right. we got to Minneapolis. We were with a couple of buddies of mine and uh, their wives, and we stopped in Minneapolis for a few days, and that's when I found I got traded. So we had to get her a flight back, and I had oh. to come back to Fort Bastis and go. And then that year, she dumped me. She said, oh, my God, she said she uh, had saw this uh, YouTube. It was a, a form of YouTube. But a, there was this video on it of this guy walking around the dressing room with the sock on. <laughs> <laughs> that's my guy. She wanted to date him. That's my guy. <laughs> and that was the trade to Toronto, right? Dr. Wolpa W. Oh, Wolpa W. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And Wolpa W. came in and, and 40 goals. And, and uh, um, yeah, he was, uh, had a, it was a, a good trade for Phil. It was a good, it turned out really well. Mike, we asked this question of guys who've been traded, and Thomas brought it up. Like, how do you feel once you get traded? Are you saying, who'd I get traded for? What'd they get? Are you like instantly ego checking right there? Uh, um, I think so, but not really for me. I was, uh, it was always, I was always nervous going into a new situation. So I was more worried about uh, the team that I was going to and was I going to be accepted and uh, how was I going to fit in there? Because usually when you're in a team and you feel comfortable. Um, so um, Walt was from uh, not far away from where I lived. So I know, I knew Walt, um, you know, so uh, I mean, I, we're totally different players. Um, he, uh, you know, uh, and then I got traded for a guy by the name of Sean McKenna from L.A. to Toronto. Oh. And uh, uh, so I, uh, we, we were both really journey-type journey players, and so it wasn't uh, any real reach for me. I was, I, did I want to have a better season than the, the guy that was, uh, um, that I was traded for? Yes, but Walt got 40 goals, and I think I got seven. So, <laughs> no. And, what, and that was a defensive forward either, as Tom's going to say. <laughs> You downplay your career too much. I, I, I view you totally different. So, but really quick, I go back to Jerry Maloney. Remember him? So Jerry Maloney was our yeah. uh, equipment trainer. Fantastic person. My daughter. Oh, the, what's that? Sorry, <laughs> on daughter. Uh, she was hot. Yes, she was very hot. Uh, just like your wife now, probably even wife's funny daughter. Well, my wife doesn't know about her. Oh, she is oh. now. Does now. Uh, but Jerry had this terrible stuttering problem, and uh, 
he got on the phone one time. I've told the story. He's got on the phone one time. He had to call Steve Vicker's wife for some reason. And he started, he's nervous. He started stuttering more. And uh, she thought he was some pervert on the phone. So, Carolina. so he's, he's trying to get the words out. And we let it go for a little while. But then we finally grabbed the phone and said, listen, it's your, your baloney. <laughs> Poor guy. He, he was a great, he had a great sense of humor. Like, we would make fun of him. I know it sounds kind of weird, but I'd make fun of a guy with a stuttering problem. But it's but interesting that now you're all about mental health and well-being and loving yourself after being such a bully for all those years. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Oh. It, it is true, right? Yeah. God. So Fair you're not. just doing penance with this whole lifestyle that you're leading. Yes. There's a lot of work to do. Hopefully I live for another hundred years because I have a lot of work to do to clear up all the past. All the past. Juan was a great teammate. He was a great teammate. Was a, was a, as as a wonderful teammate as a um, as anyone I played with. And now I did play, uh, I think, Jeez, almost six six years with Tom. Or yeah, eight years, eight of, uh, eight of my ten years with Tom. Yeah, two different teams. So, uh, but he was a great teammate. He was just a my one, top uh, leader. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed, leveraging over one hundred forty million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Tom avoided getting uh, hazed. Did you get uh, initiated when you were running? No, I got initiated. I did. Yeah. It was in Vancouver too, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, it was. It was... Uh, it was... Uh, who wants to touch somebody else's private parts? I, I don't you get know. it. You know, no. um, yeah, you didn't like, you've been very open. You did, we did a show before. You didn't like it at all. No, no, no. I, I thought it was, uh, I, I, and, and, and I, I would never have done it when I was, you know, after I never got involved in yeah. it. It was, uh, I thought it was, and now I was, uh, probably, I was a 19 year old kid coming in, having a pretty good year, probably, uh, lippy, uh, saying too much and deserve some sort of, uh, being put into place. But, um, uh, I'm glad to see hopefully that, that most of that yeah. is taken. Yeah, it's stopped now. So people don't know back in the past, it was kind of like a rite of passage to like shave a guy's testicles and shave his head. head. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the worst was Chris Katsopoulos when they got him. Uh, <laughs> you, were you there for that one? You were there for that one. <laughs> we were, we, he was a rookie too. The same yeah, year. I know. Yeah. So Ed Kotze wouldn't stop talking at all. And they would warn him too. Like, listen, you got to stop talking. He was always like trying to give his opinion and everything. So they got him, man. 
the the what they poured they had tied him to the I can still see this like Katsis the Greek guy with the boils all over his body and everything and they tied him to the table they had a chair or a stick underneath his arms tied this like he's Jesus tied okay cross then they uh attached the uh, skate lace to his penis Ooh. and uh, put it up over a pipe up top and stretched it just tight enough that if he moved too much he's ripping this junk off and then uh I believe it was Steve Vickers got a paper cup and uh urinated in the cup right in front of Katsi so he could see that. And then he goes and he pours the urine out. Uh, but Katsi doesn't know that he's pouring the urine out. He, he comes back with a cup of warm water. So Katsi still thinks that cup has had penis in it. And then they hold his nose and they start pouring <laughs> what he thinks is urine down his throat. So that's, uh, it's, that's great. That helps the team. How? How does that help you? <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank oh, you. I don't God. get it. I, don't, I, don't, I know. No, that's the thing. I mean, if you have a lippy rookie, you can say, hey, Rook, grab the sticks or grab the bag or pick up the pucks. But yeah. like, you know. Now I think they make them pay. Um, yeah, a restaurant. I'm so frugal. I'd rather have get my uh, my uh, sock shaped. Uh. Red, you there? Oh, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, good, good, good deal. Sorry. Yeah. So, so Mike was saying that he'd rather um, get shaved yeah. than, than have to pay for a rookie. Yeah, oh, I know. Right? What was your salary your first year? My first year salary was sixty thousand dollars. What you mean? That's in my list. Was it? Think about that. And then we thought we were like like living high up the hog too. Right? What's the rookie minimum now? Nine hundred thousand? Uh, might be up that high now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My dad was a school teacher and had uh, taught for thirty years, and I think he was making forty four at that at that same year. Yeah. Did you, Did you ever needle him a little bit? Like, hey, dad, you know, I'm nineteen, but you know, making no. more than you. No. My dad, he, he uh, right away he he uh, uh, said. Um, I had an agent that was uh, Bill Waters, and yeah. he was you know charging me so many percent. He said. And back then it was, uh, inflation was high. Uh, interest rates were high. My dad said, let me take you over for it. I, I, and he said, uh, so he just, uh, put me on a budget and invested my money and, and, uh, most of it was in GICs cause they were making, I don't know how much, over 10%, but it was, uh, you know, thankfully my dad took over. Yeah. was able to, he was an economics teacher and he thought, well, I, I know well, where there you go. Isn't it weird to like, go back to the ha whole hazing thing? You think about like it was just like that was just what we did back then, right? And then you think now, like, what what was the point? It does nothing. Yeah. Does nothing yeah. at all. Yeah. I don't see how it, it never it never made me feel feel closer. I you know, I felt some resentment to a couple of yeah. them that were that took it a little too far. I did. So yeah. uh I, I don't understand. I don't uh, and yeah, you're touching somebody else's I know. Yeah, I think it, we, that's part of the, that's the way we live back then. I'm not trying to make this right at all, but that's kind of the logic we had that everybody else had always done it this way. So that's just what we're going to do. Could you see anyone in the current Rangers doing that to another Ranger? Yeah. Like, it, just, will it... yeah, yeah, like you know, Henry Lindquist comes up and they're going to shave Henry right. Lindquist, right? Shave Mike, are you following the Rangers still? Or are you, uh, you keeping up with oh, that? Oh, yeah. New York Rangers right there. Can you see that? New York Rangers. That the, was that the one that Phyllis Mazzito bought us? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly what it was. Yeah. I, I uh, dug that out when I. Uh, so, do I follow? Yeah, I'm actually. Uh, I haven't been to a game uh, to Madison Square Gardens, but uh, we're we're heading to New York in uh, early December, and we're going to the game. We're going Could, to. Have you talked to Jackie or the woman that I, runs our? Jackie, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, uh, and uh, it, right on line, I, I uh, or right on the air here, I'm saying, okay, where do I stay? What, what hotel? Have you guys uh, got any? Uh, There's a well. They'll put you up. Are they are they flying you in? No, 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 I'm just coming in. We're just coming So call Jackie. They've got a raid at the Renaissance on 35th. It's like two blocks away from the garden. Oh, really? Yeah, so they'll get a special raid. They, if you call her, she'll probably pick it up for you, too. But either way, you get a special raid. It's a nice hotel. I was actually there the other night. They had a nice restaurant there, Versa. And again, it's really close to the garden. Oh, wonderful. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned that. I'm glad I, I said that. Yeah. So we'll have to make sure Tom comes down and then spends a little time with you. 
Oh my Buddies God. In town. Uh, uh, the only, uh, my wife would love that. I mean, you know, she hears these Tom, they love stories and she just says, well, want. She, she really did seem like, I was actually kind of glad we were talking to her. She's a sweetheart. Does she have an ankle sock you can borrow? <laughs> I'm not, not, no, no socks are coming in that bag. Uh, <laughs> he'll keep it. Don't worry. Oh, God. <laughs> Think, oh, okay. Uh, the story I want to talk about, the uh, big gym sports campers. <laughs> so we've had James Patrick on the show a couple times. Very like a gentleman, you know, very strict the way he lives, you know, as, and one of his uh, things is that he wants to be called James. That's it. You can't call him Jim. Actually, I was watching a Philadelphia broadcast the other day. Uh, we were playing, and uh, the broadcast was calling Jimmy Patrick. Yeah, I was dying laughing because, but James, yeah. it, no, this is it. It's James Patrick, and that's it. So we were out. Uh, it was a rare night that we were out having a couple of cocktails. Didn't happen too often. And uh, we're with the three of us are together, and Red got into this thing. In his hometown of Fort Francis, there was a place called Big Jim Sports Campers. Okay. So he went on this long thing. James Patrick calling the Big Jim at the Big Jim Sports Campers. I was dying laughing. I was peeing my pants. How did he take it? Hey, I think he was all right. Wasn't he? He was staying out for you. He he was he's a great he's a he yeah. was a great yeah. guy. Yeah. Cool. And but I I hate to say it, somebody's always um I'm like one of those marionettes and the Tom's <laughs> always here uh manipulating me what to say. Uh, uh wait, Laidlaw was pulling the strings? Oh no, he did. He did. Uh, Red said that night you were on your own. That you you're you're, you're on fire. Oh probably uh Oh, what an instigator. Oh, uh, yeah. I was yeah, terrible. He was, and he still is. Oh, yeah. I tell you, when I go, we used to go in the locker room, it's like a switch would go off, and I just would nonstop, just babbling the whole time, talking, feeling trouble. Remember, Jay's, what, Red's right. He was one of the great teammates as well. Uh, but he uh, he would get he would get sulking sometimes. So I did something to him, some practical joke or whatever, some picking on him, and he was mad at me. So he wouldn't talk to me for a whole week. And then after the week is over with, he comes to me apologizing that he was sulking it with Dr. Here's <laughs> <laughs> what I started all the trouble. Oh. You just defined an abusive relationship. Oh, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a perfectionist. I, I, he uh, always uh, strived to be down yeah. now and everything. He just uh, never stopped. Well, who were some of your other favorite teammates that you guys played with at that time? Um, well, I, I really like James. I, I like his brother, Stephen, too. I, um, I, I, I um, was looking for a place to stay, and Stephen took me in, uh, in New York. Uh, he was there only there for short period of time, a couple of years, but he said, come on, live with me. And so I really liked him. There, I mean, I really liked the Rangers and uh, uh, the, the team we had. It was a really, uh, we had five guys or four guys that lived in the city, so we didn't see them much, or I didn't. Um, but I can remember uh, Ron uh, 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 taking me out. He was with Carol, and I was dating uh, Jerry's daughter, Kim, and he took us out uh, after the game once. And then I got left in. We had a Halloween party. I don't know if you remember this Lanes or one of those things, yeah. and I drove down with Willie Huber, and uh, so into the city from Rye. Drove in. We met at uh, Ron's place. Uh, Ron Grasner sat us over for drinks, and all the wives and all the players went to uh, the studio. And I was uh, dressed in my costume. Thankfully, I put twenty dollars in my sock. I didn't have a wallet or anything. And all of a sudden, everyone's gone. There's not a single. Willie took off on me. Drove home, and I had. I, thankfully, I remembered. Uh, the uh, address where uh, uh, where Ron lived, and I took a cab there. I had twenty bucks in my sock, and the the doorman wouldn't let me in. He let me stay in the mail room, sleep on the floor, and then Ron said, "What do you pick me up?" He said, "I'll make sure Ron gets you in the morning." But um, I I just loved Ron Ron Grafner. I just loved it. He was just uh, I mean, I just I I, I uh, Mark Pavich. I I just I really uh, he was quiet, but. Uh, I really liked him. I, I just, uh, uh, and he was my, where were, 
Rare Roots Landon was good. Jan Erickson, oh. all those guys. Yeah, good guys. Like if James could shoot the puck like Rare Roots Landon, James would have been like even a higher caliber than he was. He just couldn't shoot the puck. Like, you know, yeah. no one feared his shot. And, and uh, man, he could do everything else but shoot the puck. And I don't mean to yeah. say that. Yeah, no, true. You know what? Like, look at Barry Beck. Like, he was that all-around player, right? Captain, shoot the puck, power play, penalty killing, hit. And James was that same, like, maybe he's like the number two guy in that category. But you're right. You just didn't have that big, powerful shot. Well, you could skate and do it all. Well, you said you didn't have a shot either, right? Oh, no, I was no, Tom didn't. But, uh, oh, but uh, but Tom started off as a guy that could well, obviously, you know, his career, you know, he could uh, contribute offensively. And then he then he accept, accepted this role, and he thrived in this role of, of shutting people down. And and uh, what a place to be able to do was to, you know, to have a coach have that confidence. You had, hey, the yeah. best move on the ice in Europe. Yeah, I know you didn't have a great relationship with Herb, but that with me it was like just limited conversation. Really, it was more like he told me to start the year, give the puck to somebody else. You're not supposed to have it. And then he followed through with like playing me in all those defensive situations. So I said, okay, it's a two-way street. I'll do what he wants and he give me what I want. So it's like, yeah. yeah. Sorry for interrupting, but did he say something that one time yeah. about that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'd had to, like to your point, I had a good rookie year, six goals, 23 assists. You know, I'm thinking that I'm going to be this good two-way defenseman. We go through training camp. Uh, it's the last practice before our first game in the garden. They were right playing that. He gets everybody together at center ice. He's going around the whole team saying, you know, Barry Beck, here's your role. Allison, he waits till the end with me. And he says, Laidlaw, if you get the puck, you give it to somebody else. Yeah. You're not supposed to have. Remember that? Oh, God. And the guys were dying laughing. And I'm like, you jerk. You're like, what is this all about? I didn't know him at that point. And I realized later on that that was. But it worked for you with him. But for other, like Mike, you're not alone. A lot of guys we've had on have said they had issues with her. It just didn't work out with. Yeah, like Dave Maloney, Ron Gresham, those guys. Mike yeah. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, I, I mean, I, I, I was seriously considering hurting myself and uh it was my relationship a, a lot with uh, her and, did, uh, did you tell craig that you felt that way you no no i didn't tell him i think just craig just knew no. i'm sorry tom no i said craig just knew he he was insightful enough to pick that up i don't know if uh if he if he knew that or i don't know if it was herb or craig but they they suggested i um speak with someone so i don't know if they really knew where i was but i they they, they could tell i needed some help um uh, mentally did you tell and, your family? Did you tell your family or anybody else? No, I told my family. I, I came out. Uh, oh, uh, uh, 10, 15 years ago, they uh, interviewed uh, me as a professional athlete here locally, and I came out and said uh, the struggles I had with that, this, this uh, wanting to uh, take my life. You know, just wanting to be out of this pain and sharing it with them. I thought it was a, I thought it was a time to share. So, and uh, you know, since then, people have asked me about it in regards to locally and said, okay, can you? Uh, um, just, you know, speak to someone, I, you know, I can only relay my situation, but I always say get professional. I just think it's, a, it's, uh, it's really good. And it was, and it's helped me and it's helped me, uh, you know, uh, continue to, to seek it, um, you know, uh, with, with my marriage, you know, um, my wife is wonderful, but my own issues, uh, uh, not often, uh, once every three or four years, I might go and speak to someone and, and say, how can I ever, uh, get that, uh, sock out of my, my mind? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> But Red, so would you you think you would have felt that way had it not been for hockey? It was because of hockey and the way Herb treated you. I think it would have been. Um, I, I I think it was not necessarily hockey, but it was the way I was, uh, the way I felt, right. and 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 I probably, uh, I just, I, I hockey is uh, can be cruel. They can be cruel. Coaches can be cruel, and and they think that I think the game has changed somewhat. Um, if you continue to treat people like that. Um, look at what's happened to Babcock, and uh, and when that came out, I said, "Oh my God!" Um, and I used to like to watch Babcock when he's in Toronto. I thought, man, he could speak well. 
But when I heard the stories, I said, man, I could see that. I can well, see that. I can like see that. You don't have frauds in Detroit. Docs the same way. Like he went, he went through with Babcock. Yeah. But Mike, yeah. you're not alone. There's a lot of players we've had on this show that have had similar situations to similar stories where they didn't get help, but they were in a terrible spot, like Richie Pilon, Corey Hirsch. I mean, there's been so many guys who have had issues with their mental health, and you know, I guess the stigma is being lifted, which is a good thing. Well, that's red. So you're saying this is huge. Like it helps a lot of people to see somebody that's a professional athlete that went through that, uh, and then see they got help. But you're right to Tom's point. Uh, I think that's one of the um, kind of the surprises with the show for us that we've done 70 some shows. We've had, well, including you now, like six guys that have either attempted suicide or contemplated suicide. Yeah, um, I would think it's uh, it's. Uh... Um, uh, the number is much higher than deaths. Yeah, sure. You know, and are you comfortable speaking about it? I mean, right. and it's a long time in my past. Um, I've never felt that way since then in regards to wanting to, to uh, crash into a bridge, you know, since those, uh, those couple of years in New York. Um, so it was, uh, it was uh, directly related to the way I was being treated, but I own some, I own some of it, how I handled it going into it, but I don't own what was said to Right. You know, I, no one can, uh, uh, no one can, um, um, uh, Herb shouldn't have done what he, you know, some of the things he did. He shouldn't have. I mean, he thought he was motivated. He wasn't. Uh, right. And, you know, and now, now that you're telling me this, Red, I start to think back to, I remember a game in Toronto and I was always talking in the locker room, you know, I get trying to get the guys going And one in Toronto, you were doing that one. I mean, you did a lot of times, but this one particular lady did. I remember he said something to you, like, you know, what are you doing talking? Like, kind of like really ridiculing. And I, I, kind of forgot about it until you started telling me all this stuff and like yeah he was um yeah again for me it was the relationship was fantastic so i really wasn't seeing how badly he was treating other players but that doesn't sound like motivation that just sounds cruel yeah well i remember yeah i do remember when he said that to you like what what are you saying that to him for like there's no point to it right well and he you know they think they're saying that's motivation but they you have to uh, uh um i think a really good coach uh recognizes the strength and weakness that's not not how to reach me that wasn't how to reach me. That would, that would crush me. And, uh, you know, um, so uh, it was a long struggle to get out of that. I mean, Tommy Webster said, said some stupid things to me yeah. too. But at that time I was, I was uh, 29. I didn't, you know, I, Hey, I, I, w I could deal with it. I wasn't a young kid. And, uh, and I can, and finally I said to Tommy Webster, um, at the end of my last season, I still had another year of the contract, but I said to him in the, in the coaches meeting, we always met after the season with the coaches and, I said, uh, I recognize that um, that you see me in this light as a player, as a fourth or fifth line player, but you have to, um, I want to let you know, I want to go to bat for this team. But when you say these things to these people um, and treat these people this way, it's hard to, I, I, didn't, I said it in a very soft way. I, didn't, I knew I was, I was taking a chance by relaying this to them. And then sure enough, in, in, Training camp the next year was in uh, Hull, Quebec, and we went to training camp. Three days into training camp, I'm cut. Oh, I'm sent to the fire. So he calls me in, and how do you like the way I'm treating you now? Oh, I said, yeah. oh my God. I said, uh, um, and no one got cut three days in. He was right. making a point with me. I said, I said, you missed the message of what I was trying to uh, say is you can't treat the bottom end players that poorly and expect them to. And, and, and so then Rogi said, but they sent me to Phoenix. Uh, that was where the farm team was. Yeah. And, uh, Gary Unger was a captain, made, our a coach made me captain. And I said, Gary, I'm not, uh, no, I've asked for a bio. I am, I cannot, uh, uh, legitimately play here. And then Rogi, the day before the first game, as we were boarding the bus said, you want, uh, okay, I'll buy you. I didn't know that, right? I forgot that. 
Well, Tommy Rester for me, again, I was going through the back problems and everything. And, and again, I did not handle things well either. And uh, the doctor said, listen, you've got to figure it out yourself. It's your back. So you go on your schedule. And uh, he, Robbie, you know, Tommy Webster wanted me to go to Phoenix to play a couple of exhibition games. So I went one game uh, right around Christmas too. And um, my back got stiff again and everything. I said, I, okay, I'm taking a break here. He said, no, you're going to go back there again. You're going to play another game. And uh, so I, I, I should have, looking back now, I said, no, I'm not freaking going. The doctors told me they put right. my own schedule, but I went, hurt my back again, and now I'm hot, right? I'm, I'm hot. And again, I was to blame a lot the way I treated my back. I didn't do the proper thing. But again, he's forced me to play. So I, my anger was towards him. So we had a meeting, uh, Cap Raider, Rick Wilson, uh, Rogie, and Tom Webster. And I just, I'd never done this before. I just ripped it. Webster. I just said, you're a freaking idiot and nobody respects you. Those are the only two guys over there. The team respects looking at Cap Raider and where, and they were they they were they liked it, but they were kind of like Tom, you put you put us yeah. on the spot here, right? <laughs> and uh, Rogie was trying to, yeah, Rogie's a great guy, so he's trying to settle things down. And I was hot. I just ripped into him. And same thing next year, training camp came in, and uh, when uh, I can't remember how it was, so we went to training camp, and then they were going to buy me out at the end of training camp. And they came down, and somebody came down and said, "Listen, Rogie wants to see you." I remember Tom Webster sprinted out of the room to get up to Rogie's office before I got there. And then same thing to me. He says, uh, "How do you like things now?" Like he was really arrogant. Oh, he went in. Yeah. What? A, what a dick. I mean, yeah. the, the, these guys are some of them just they just overcompensating for the fact that they didn't play in the league. Well, know? Webster did. Webster did, but he was a soft guy, and I think he was trying to show everybody that he was a hard ass. Remember, Barry Beck was with the team, and it wasn't working out with Barry. And I think Barry wanted to leave as well. And Tommy Webster went down, and had a conversation with Barry, and then he came right into the locker room and kind of bragged about he, how he ended Barry Beck's career. What do you get for that? A medal? Well, but again, he wanted to try to prove that he was that hard. But, guy. but like, but look at Keenan. Same thing yeah, you said. Totally. He was. You said he was a feather when he played. Totally. Yeah. And that, you know. Yeah. They, like like Robbie Fatorik would never do that kind of stuff. Robbie yeah. was a great great competitor, disciplined man. He didn't need to do that. Right. He he treated. Listen, he would get mad sometimes, but he treated the players with respect. Yeah. And, and and with you, you mentioned uh, Robbie Fatorik. Robbie Fatorik, I never felt so I would. Uh, you know, I was uh, I went from playing with Wayne some days uh, on that line because they had they didn't have Tom Sandstrom and uh, uh, Tony Granado at that time. So went from playing with him to back to the fourth line, back to not playing. Never felt that uh, 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 Robbie Fatorik that I was in the dock. Okay, he just says some days we all have it, some days we don't. Next day is a new day and, and start. So I always felt fresh the next day. Never felt that I was going to be in the doghouse because uh, I wasn't playing. Yeah, try to make it better the next day. It's interesting having this conversation with Red because you look back, and again, when we're playing at the time, you're so wrapped up in thinking, this is just the way the world is. It's the way it's supposed to be. Now you look back at it, like the hazing, the treatment from coaches, and all this kind of stuff. And and other good stuff that people are telling, telling us how great we are, too, all the time. And we're really thinking that that's really the way the world is, and that's really who we are. But yeah, you get get out of it later, you look back, and it's almost like, what was I doing? Like, I love playing. The great accomplishment. Feel feel my goals and everything. I well, I wouldn't be surprised if most jobs are, uh, you know, back in that era that, that, that their um, bosses treated their employees exactly. And, yeah. and we were just uh, in the limelight making good money. And uh, it wasn't a bad spot to be, but you yeah. really didn't re recognize all the other stuff that, that maybe came with it. Yeah. Well, you don't take the 30,000 foot view. You know, you're in it, you're in the muck and you don't see what's going on around you. But I wanted to ask you, Mike, you, you mentioned playing on the line with Wayne. Because Tom only scored, I think, one goal in his time with the Kings. But how does it feel when you're with Wayne Gretzky? He set you up for a goal. That's got to be really cool, right? I uh, you know, well, I found uh, I, the first game I played with uh, uh, Wayne when uh, Mike Krzyzewski was there. He was a left winger, and I was the right winger, and Wayne was the center. And we came back into our own zone, and I'm on the right side in defensive zone coverage, and I don't know where Wayne is. And he's standing on the other, the blue line side of me on the on the wing. 
And I'm going, what's going on? And Mike Christianity came over and said, you or I, first by bat, we go play the center defensive position. Wayne always likes to go on the right right wing because he gets on the offense. And, and that's where he, really where uh, he should be. I didn't get that. Um, I loved playing with Wayne. He was simple. He would tell me yeah. what to do. He would, before, like we went to play Philadelphia, he said, you go stand here when I get the puck here. And sure enough, he'd, he'd be on my stick and, and the odd time I'd get a goal, mostly I'd, I'd hit into the goaltender, but he, he studied <laughs> the game offensively so well. Um, and he was, a, he was really a treat. He didn't say much to me. Um, I never, you know, once they had better players, I never played with them except uh, as when he was double shifty. But, um, or triple shifting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but he was, uh, and, and it was, uh, 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 Paul Fenton and I were yeah. extra ones and, and we would play with him as a second unit every once in a while. And uh, Wayne was great. I mean, remarkable player. Remarkable. I mean, just uh, the way you could see the game offensively. Yeah, and and that was the thing. Like, Wayne really did. He knew who he was as a teammate, as uh, how the league looked at him, how the players did. So he was pretty good. Well, Red, listen, uh, it's been fantastic to see you again. Uh, We're going to have you on again. You're uh, one of my all-time favorites, so. And uh, I, I thank you for the in, in information about the hotel, and I expect you to be there. Okay. Yeah, Tom's got to get down to the city. I know you don't, for, you know. For for Mike Allison and his wonderful wife, I would definitely go into the city. Okay? Just for All you. Right. No there problem. it is. It's booked. All right, Red. Good to see you again. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Heard highly about Mike Allison. Two stops with him. Oh, God. What a great guy! I, like yeah, we both thought he was. I, I have many great teammates, but he's obviously in that list of probably like the top five guys. That yeah, really look back, and he really underestimates his career. Like he talks, and he's just being humble. I think, but like he was a very valuable player. He probably was not the offensive player that people thought he was going to be, especially based on his first year with the Rangers. Well, I think the same thing happened to you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you came up, you came up scoring goals, offense, and then you were turned into he was a, he was always thought of as a checking center. Yeah, and you were thought of as a defensive yeah, defense. Totally, yeah. Wow, man, I, he really opened up about his mental health. Yeah, which is uh, wow. It was great. And I really, you almost feel bad. Like, God, I was his teammate. I was a close friend. And I didn't know that stuff about his mental health. But I guess he's just so again, You know, 30,000 yeah. view and then you're in it. It's yeah. hard to, to pick up on that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, there's that whole bravado thing, too. Where right. We're all like that. We walk in the locker room. We want to show that we're there's nothing sure. bothering us and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah. when, when Corey Hirsch was on, he said he was crying on the bus. And he said, if anybody saw him, he's like, my career was over. Yeah. Well, thankfully, that's gone now. Wait, Mike said too. Like you think all. The, so these are some of these guys that are coming out talking about. Imagine all the guys that are not coming out right. talking about. It it's a great point he made. Right. Absolutely. And then you got to look. Man, we've talked so many times about the alcohol back then. It was it, it was flowing. Yeah. Well, we felt like that was our bonding mechanism, right? right. The team was supplying it for us, and that was what. But you wonder how many guys were just trying to hide. Just hiding. Yeah. No problem. Great point. You know that that was a tough. That's a great show, and it's it's. There's a lot a uh, lot we learned there. We learned about the sock. It's, now, we have a lot of young listeners, like you said. I, I spoke to my friend Greg Shaw and his son, Austin, who's a 12-year-old player. They listen to every episode. They love hearing it. He, he's now saying passes come from the heart when he coaches, oh, which nice. you said from Brooks. Yeah. But also Jeff Olson, who's a big fan in the city, he listens to every episode. And they, they take these what these lessons and they use it on their kids. So let's – the sock incident, kids don't do that at home. Well, it's, it's probably – these guys are probably going to walk around the city now with uh, just naked – No, I don't think sock so. in their penis. I, so. I don't think they're going to do yeah, that. It's going to be a cra- – like, it's like the ice bucket challenge. Maybe people would start doing The that. sock challenge? Yeah, I think people do videos now, like on uh, reels, on Instagram and everything. No, I don't think they should do that. I think they should talk about mental health and not hazing their saints, being good teammates, looking out for each other. What if, what if that becomes a craze, though? 
I don't think it will. Well, Lawrence says you were involved in the uh, the shoulder check, uh, yeah, event, which is a great event. Yeah. It was like you know, it was the was it Hayden Thorson? Was that his name? He was a goalie in Connecticut, right? He uh, yes. he took his own life unfortunately at at, at sixteen. But his parents did this um, great event and this great movement where it's like, hey, check in, check in with your teammates. When people seem like they're okay, they're not. And Mike spoke that like you had no idea he was yeah. okay when he started saying that on the show. I, I was I had to stop and think like really like it's just such a like I viewed him as such a strong guy. Yeah, it was like a really this foreign thing. Like really, but I'm not doubting him in any way that it was there. We just don't, you don't know what's going yeah. on. You never know what's going on behind the. Yeah, that's you know? a really you know what that's an excellent point for you. That yeah, you know I never would have thought that. Here it is, what uh, 35 years later, uh, that I'm finally hearing about this from Mike. And I, I've talked to him before too, and he hasn't brought it up. Yeah, obviously I, I like the way he said it. He was very confident in you know in himself, and you know it felt comfortable that, to talk that. Way. You know, the other guy I thought about too is uh, kind of surprised was Kelly Rudy when he brought it up. Yeah, oh, there's another one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we've had the guys like the Richie Pilons that attempted suicide. Yeah, but, Corey Hirsch. Yeah, but I think I think the most important words you can say to your people is just, "Are you okay?" Yeah, yeah. Reach out to someone, like, even if he doesn't look like there's something wrong. Just yeah, just make good. a point. Yeah. And, and if you know, if you'll know if they really are good or not. If they're not, they'll tell. There's an opportunity for them to open up and tell you that, right. "Hey, I'm not. I'm struggling." I mean, it's hard. It's still hard for people to say, especially men, for whatever reason that is. Yeah. But it's it's important to just check in with people. Yeah, and, and do it repeatedly too, right? Because to your point. If you maybe you asked one time and the guy didn't want to say anything, he was scared to say something because now you're you know, potentially yeah. view him differently. Um, but I think in our world now, like it seems like my world, your world, the people that we associate with, there's more people that are comfortable talking about that stuff and understand it more. And I think that's important too. There's if you're in a world where you are hurting a little bit or you're not not comfortable with your mental health, if you're around people that aren't accepting of you talking about it. Then you really get around the wrong people. Absolutely, too. absolutely, hundred hundred percent. You know, I know you don't watch TV, but when The Sopranos came out, it, Tony Soprano was this mafia boss, and he started getting going to therapy. And they were like, they wanted to whack him because oh. they, you know, that you can't you can't be doing that. You can't be doing that's for lesser people, you know. But um, it, I think it's important for anyone just to talk to someone. I know in Canada and their their mental health, they just say talk to somebody, right? Yeah. So just talk, just yeah. talk to someone. If they can't help you, they can refer you or they can talk to someone else. But just know someone's there, right? You know? Yeah. That's the, like really go to your way to approach people, random people walking down the street. I just I've found I've done this true good life thing more often. If I go for a walk now, I, I make sure I was going to the beach, but there's not many people there. Yeah. So now I try to go more in the community where there's people around. So like I'm talking to people all the time. And you can tell it means a lot to them. Like there's sure. one, one crossing guard at Western Junior Middle School here. And it's close to my home. And uh, so I talked to him. He was talking about his mental health and, uh, you know, he'd gone to Italy and how much healthier he felt. He's got through physical health issues. And, um, he felt like now he gets really excited when he sees me coming. And it feels good, too. Yeah. You feel good. Yeah, you feel like, good. He feels good. Like my, my people at <laughs> Costco. I walk in Costco. Well, and you're I'm the mayor of Costco. <laughs> Norris the chicken ran. Oh, man, it's funny. Yeah. But I think the, the most important thing is life. Is difficult. Yeah, we all know the outcome for us and everyone we love. Yeah. So right, everyone's gonna have anxiety because of that. Yeah. Haven't you not? You know, so especially now all the stuff going on. We had the shooting up in Maine. Yeah, not even, yeah, even the, on top of it, on top of the main fact that this is the outcome is the same for everybody. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we get wrapped up. You know this, and again, be careful because I still think the world is a fantastic place. Like so the, do I. the United States, for example, physically, the Great Lakes, the oceans, all that kind of stuff, and there's so many, so many fantastic people. We hear about all the bad stuff. Yeah. Right. And then you get bombarded with that. And that's why, to me, that's one of the reasons I don't watch TV because you just get bombarded of all the negative. Well, I, I think it's important to keep in your head that it's it's basically like 95-5. Yeah, sure. 95% of people are good yeah. people, yeah. want to go home, want to do it. There's 5% knuckleheads, yeah. bad people, whatever yeah. you call it. But I think for the most part, people yeah. are good. They want to go home. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think maybe you should, if, if you can't get to someone, if they're not, if you're saying, hey, you're okay, and they're answering, maybe put the sock on. Yeah. And then start to sock life. Yeah. Oh, man. 
to rebrand it. You know, actually, you've seen like thousands of people walking around the street there naked with just a sock on their head. Yeah, it would take a lot of, so, you know. What do you think we would, what, what women have to do though? Like to have two socks and a. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to think about that one for the next yeah. episode. I, this definitely has spiraled. But listen, at the same time, it's much like life. We have a lot of serious topics here and a lot of fun. So, but it's, I think back, I, you know, we're not talking about this privately, but I think back to some of the things I did and thinking at the time, like at that time when I was walking around, calling myself Mr. Newton Road, Michigan with the sock, I'm like, you know, the right choice. Yeah, it's smart. It's a intelligent thing to do. Like, it's really, there's a woman just minding her own business sitting here and I'm walking around. Uh, well, maybe we should have Helene Elliott on the show. Yes. Oh, it's just. She, when I did the interview with her about Warren Reichel after the fact, like years later, she was fantastic. Great sense of humor. She, like, she, she could have been holding it against me sure. and been bitter, but she was, I think she was more dying laughing because she could tell how, how uncomfortable yeah. I was. Right. Because uh, you're, you're with your tail between your legs. Yeah, totally. And she was loving that too. Yeah. Because here I am, Mr. Cocky. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, great episode. Big Red. That was Mike's nickname. Big Red. Yeah. Red Dog. Yeah. Red Dog. Big Red. Mike Allison, number 14. Great episode. Yeah. If you like what you're hearing, please share, spread it around, like, leave us a review on Apple, and enjoy the shows we have coming. All right, you wee bonnie lad. Wee bonnie lad. All right, grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.